The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. Hi, welcome to the Online Marketing Show. This is Joey Bushnell. Today's special guest is top copywriter Neville Medora. Go to copywritingcourse.com to find out more. Neville, thank you for being with me today. Uh, You're too kind, too kind. Neville, how did you get into copywriting? I got into copywriting. uh, I own a a rave company, of all things, like rave, like light up and glow stuff uh, called houseofrave.com. And I still own it, but someone else runs it. But at the time, uh, I knew all these marketers, and they'd always tell me to like monetize my list, monetize my list. And at the time, I had about 7,500 people on an email list who were all previous customers. So all these people had actually bought something from me. Okay, So this is a very good list. And I used to just email them out these beautiful um, emails, and they had really high click-through uh, open rates and click-through rates, like 30% click-throughs and, and just ridiculous things like that. But when I looked at it, no one bought a damn thing. And so uh, I was kind of disheartened because it cost me 80 bucks a month to keep this list managed, yet I wouldn't even make 20 bucks in profit per month off the email list that I'm sending out. I spent a lot of time and effort doing all these and making nice uh, emails, and I'll show you where you can see all those in the, uh, later. And then my friend Ryan, uh, who's a marketer also, was showing me his email lists that he used for his business. And it was... You know, you just have these like moments where you're just like, what the fuck? How does this work? And my stuff doesn't. It's just a plain text email, like one of those typical like 550 pixel wide emails and like, you know, size 12 aerial fonts, nothing like that. Maybe about a page and a half long. And his emails were pulling like crazy and they would only have one link on them. And I was just like, how the hell do you even make money with these? So anyways, uh, I started reading Gary Halbert and, and uh, Joseph Sugarman and all these books And I was like, what the hell? I'll just try it out. And sure enough, uh, on a Friday night at 9 p.m., I sent out my first email advertising these like finger lights that go on your fingers. They're lights. And um, I went to a party, got drunk. And at 11 p.m., I pulled out my iPhone and checked my site. And I had 80 plus Mm -hmm. orders. And keep in mind, it was common for me to get about 10 orders per day. So in two hours, I had 80 orders. And I was like, am I drunk? Like what's going on here? Am I hallucinating? Like how is this even possible? And then I checked my PayPal account, which wasn't uh, cooperating with my server that day. I had 40 more orders. So in about the span of two hours, I had about 120 orders and I completely sold out of the product that was advertising. So Neville, do the words that appear on a page or in the online world on a screen, perhaps uh, actually have that much of an effect on us? Yeah, and I think what the, the, the best thing ever, I've never found a, my own example to top this, which pisses me off still, but uh, Gary Halbert had this fantastic example that he would open up his seminars with, and he'd ask everyone in the room to take out two envelopes, just two plain envelopes and a sheet of paper. And on the first sheet of paper, you would write a letter to your mother, and it would say, Dear Mom, I love you, and I've been very stressed lately, but... I've been thinking a lot about you, and I'm going to call you as soon as I can, and I just wanted to send you this snail mail letter to let you know I love you. And then the next, and then he goes on and on and on, but it's a very nice, gushing letter. And then in the next envelope, you address it to your mother also. But on that next sheet of paper, 
You write something along the lines of, Dear Mom, ever since I've known you, you have been a complete and utter bitch to me. Everyone I know has a better mother than you, and blah, 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 blah. And then at the end it says, P.S. Dad sucks too. And it's just this scathing email, or, or, or just regular letter. And he says, okay, now seal up both of them and send each one to your mother. And tell me which one is going to have an effect. Then clearly, if your mom gets a loving letter from you, she's going to be like, oh, Joey, you're so nice, and blah, 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 blah. And then if she gets this like thing saying that you want to excommunicate her from the family, I mean, it's going to really alter the course of your family history, right? And the only difference, he says, is that the words on the page were different. There was no different picture, no different address, no different anything. Just the words on the page were different. Neville, the reason that I got in touch with you today is because you have a very different copywriting style to anyone else that I've ever seen. Uh, it's a little bit edgy, it's a little bit quirky, to say the least. Um, it, I mean, it's just very, very different. So am I right in saying that you write for the guys over at AppSumo? That's right. Uh, I, I kind of created that whole uh, persona of this like jolly, sort of racist sumo. Um, well, I don't actually mm-hmm. write all the copy anymore because we just have so many deals now that I make products instead of copy. Mm-hmm. Where can we see some examples of copy that you've written, Neville? Yeah, you'll probably see the style. If you go to AppSumo, that's A-P-P Sumo, like an like a iPhone app, so AppSumo.com. And if you click through some of the top products, uh, most of them I wrote uh, the copy for. So if you look under the image of the product, you'll see all the copy. And you'll definitely see that it's, um, it's educational copy mixed with some humor. And this is where a lot of people go wrong. Most people try to, if they write in this style, they try to make their copy way too funny. And we actually don't do that. We make it uh, educational first and then funny later. So if you look at uh, something like my copywriting course, I have, after a while, I made a course about building a course, that typical, you know, internet marketing kind of course. Yeah, and that's actually where I first found you was through Copy Course. And when I read the copy on the sales page, I'm someone that when I read copy, I never read the whole thing. I scan. But this was so different. This copywriting was so different from anything I'd seen before that I did read the entire thing. It wasn't very long. It was quite a short piece, but I did actually read it all word for word, which I hardly ever do. Well, I think the reason most people uh, scan copy, and trust me, I'm the same way. If there's a 40-page sales letter, I mean, I don't think I've ever read the entire thing, even on stuff I've bought. I just kind of like look over here. I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I'm ready to buy. Like, and, And my decision is made. I don't need to read anything else. But the reason is a lot of these uh, pieces of copy say stuff like they use like words like killer and amazing and blah, blah, blah. And like those words themselves don't really mean anything. And so they have all these like fancy headlines and stuff like that that are just fluff and they sound cool to a copywriter, I suppose. But they're just kind of fluffy, whereas the copy I write, it's all educational. So what are your main reasons for writing in the style that you do? Is it to be really different from everyone else's style? Is it to set yourself apart and not be boring? No, and the, the thing is, like, that's how I write. I mean, on my blog for years, you can see my, my writing has sort of evolved into this more conversation. I have a blog called nevblog.com that I've had since, like, I don't know, 2004 or five or something like that. And um, I've always written a lot. And I usually write in this way that kind of disregards grammar for the most part, I mean, I don't really care if an ellipse is three, uh, you know, periods long or five. Um, I, I use, I, I use those, those are just rules that you can bend. And I like bending them to make the copy more interesting. 
So if I want to use a dash, 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 dash instead of a dot, 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 like I'll, I'll use it. Like I don't give a shit about the rules. It doesn't really matter. The English language is constantly transforming over the years all the time. And so I'm using it in my own way. And um, honestly, I would much rather read something. A lo- so if we said something on the about page at AppSumo, it would say, AppSumo is a web-based company that constantly improves its users' lives through strategic discounts on needed products for startups and business users. Now that's really boring, okay? That's, it's, it's like, it's just fluff. That sounds like some big company is just saying that to appease you that they have an about page. Instead, I would say something like, this fat ass sumo sends you one massive money deal, a uh, uh, money saving deal on tech stuff for startups like apps and software every day. Yeah, it sounds far more interesting. I mean, the, the first example, if I was reading that, I'd lose interest almost immediately. And in the Ada formula, the second step is interest. So it's key, isn't it, to keep people's interest and keep them reading? Well, it's like, it's like, you would never, you would never talk to me like that. Why would you write to me like that? It doesn't make sense. Like when, it, it's this funny thing that when people sit down at the keyboard, and we've all had this, you sit down to write like an about page or, or an email or something, and you start off with, dear Mr. Joey or dear Mr. Bushnell, um, we are pleased to meet you today. Would you actually talk to someone like that? No, if I met you in real life, I would say, Joey, what's going on, man? How's it going? Oh, so get this. I know you're having this problem, but let me tell you how our company can solve it. Like, that's how I would talk to you. It's much more casual and there's a lot more personality in this kind of copy. And there is tons of dull copy out there. So can you do this style for any kind of business or are there some, you know, maybe more formal businesses where this style isn't really going to work? So, so I, I get this question all the time and I've done case studies in every industry. And in fact, we're doing a product right now where we're doing case studies in all these different industries with copy like this. And, and keep in mind, when you look at AppSumo's copy, like we're using like this persona of the sumo to get away with like really cruel jokes and stuff like that. We make a lot of fat jokes, Asian jokes and anything yeah. goes. Um, now you wouldn't say that if you worked at a bank or something, right? I mean, clearly you wouldn't make a Jewish joke about big noses if you're, <laughs> if you're sending a letter to the president of a company bank, although that would be hilarious. <laughs> but, but the point is you can still be casual as if you're speaking to the guy. And so the easiest way I tell people to do this, because most people, they tend to write way too silly when they first try this is I say, pretend you're talking to, tell your friend to just role play with you. And try to sell them whatever you're trying to sell or accomplish or do. And, and just record the conversation and then literally transcribe that onto the email and see what comes out. And you'll usually get a pretty good piece of copy. It's actually so simple. Does this ever get you into trouble, Neville? Have you ever had a client say, no, don't write this way for me? Oh, yeah. Sure. I, I think I, th- I don't remember who said it. But they said one of the great copywriters, I think Gene Schwartz or so, someone like that, said, um, if you haven't pissed someone off by noon, you probably haven't been doing your job correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and with AppSumo, keep in mind, we're sending out to about 600,000 people, right? So 1% of 600,000 people is a big number still. So if we piss off 1% of the people, yeah, there's a lot of people that may unsubscribe. Usually they don't. They keep checking back on the site anyway. Um, they may unsubscribe. They'll post on Twitter like AppSumo's racist or AppSumo's sexist or something like that. But 99% of the people love it and, and really respond to it. And, and it, they think it's a breath of fresh air compared to all this other bullshit that's out there. And so does it get you in trouble from time to time? Yeah. But honestly, it's just like, it's just people with shitty Twitter accounts that are like, Oh, I don't like AppSumo. I'm going to unsubscribe. 
And then we actually track them, and they come back and read the site <laughs> over and over yeah. and over. They're usually the best converting customers. It's, it's it's the funniest thing. I've seen it on my blog, too, whenever I say something that uh, offends people on my blog. It's the same commenters, and you can track their IP very easily. It's the same commenters over and over and over that keep posting. Yeah. And as soon as I post up a post, they've commented already. They're the best readers. Yeah, well, you've got to get their attention in some way, which is half the battle, isn't it? Are you guys aware of Howard Stern over there? Famous radio personality. But he gets in trouble all the time for his for his radio show. And, and the way he thinks about it is, look, there are going to be a percentage of people that are going to be pissed off about that we've talked about fart jokes and, and like, sex and stuff on air. Mm-hmm. But this is the kind of stuff that guys talk about in the locker room. Like, that's the real kind of conversation that happens. And if children are listening to it, they shouldn't. Or if you're offended by it, just turn it off. But his explanation is, this is how people really talk to each other. It's memorable as well, isn't it? Do you find that people who enjoy it are looking forward to your next email or your next sales letter? Or or do you find that because they've read it once, they'll come back and read again? We've changed the format a bit where we used to send out this really long-form email every time. And people really liked those, but it's shown that it's converting better whenever we just have the deal. Because deal-of-the-day sites are a little bit different than normal websites. The, The dynamics are different since we send out so many deals. So um, people definitely remember, like people will say like, oh my God, I remember that email about Sparrow Mail where you made that joke about you hit the guy with the rock and he screamed like a girl. Like people remember jokes and actual pieces of copy all the time. If I go to like a tech conference, I'm usually flooded with people who are just like, oh my God, I read all the AppSumo emails and stuff. Your stuff is so hilarious. I remember when you did this and this and this. They actually like remember pieces of copy from emails we've sent out and we send out tons of emails every day. And so... It's really impressive that they're actually remembering and loving and saving and sharing emails that we send <laughs> out. Like it's very rare. Uh, so a lot of the, a lot of the emails. Um, if you go yeah. to copywritingcourse.com, I'm not really trying to plug the product. I just think it's a great example of this. Um, copywritingcourse.com with two K's, not C's. Um, I did that so it, it sounds a little different. But if you um, sign up to the autoresponder over there. Um, you'll get a couple of emails and those emails have been, I look at my AWeber statistics <laughs> have been opened like 300 something percent. Like, and, and most people are like, how are you over 100%? That doesn't make sense. And what happened is AWeber counts it every time it's opened. So people repeat open and you can track who opens them the most. And if I sort, like do a filter of like who's opened them the most, there's people who have opened my email literally 120 times. Uh, and what that means is not that that person has opened it 120 times. It means they've shared it with their company. So a lot of PR agencies and a lot of marketing agencies, a lot of copywriting companies that get our emails and then forward them to all their people and all their people read them and then share them. And it's it's crazy like how much those emails are shared. So those agencies, do you think that they're swiping and probably taking notes from your emails as well? Oh, hell yeah, of course. Neville, do you do the Facebook ads for AppSumo? Because they're very recognizable as well. I mean, I know that when I start to read the copy of an AppSumo ad on Facebook, before I even get to the bottom where it says that this is an ad by AppSumo, I already know it's an AppSumo ad simply by the way that it's written. And usually the image they use is very quirky as well. So do you have anything to do with that? We spend several hundred thousand dollars a month on Facebook ads. Um, I mean, pretty much only Facebook. We do other other types, but Facebook ads for us particularly have been very good. Most people do not ROI on Facebook ads. It's very difficult and expensive. And so, um, 
So mm-hmm. I don't write the copy for all of those ads, but I do have some input on some of them. And the ad people just crank out ads all day. And some of them, just like anything, you know, a percentage of them suck. A percent of them are really good. But yes, we do have very unique Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. And, um, one of the interesting things that you can't really curse on Facebook ads, but one of the things that a lot of people, uh, do wrong in ads is they try to make it to where everyone clicks on it. Okay. And if you just want a bunch of clicks, that's fantastic. But keep in mind, like every single one of those is costing you, you know, upwards of 80 cents or something like that. And so if you want a bunch of random people to click on your ad, yeah, you'd use some kitschy image that everyone will click on, but no one's going to buy anything. Like we want people to buy stuff. Like that's the point. We don't care if one person clicks, we just want them to buy. And so we actually use ads that kind of, um, disqualify people. So they, they, we try to educate as much as we can in like the, you know, the 80 characters or whatever you're allowed on Facebook. Um, but we also try to disqualify people. So we don't try to make an ad that everyone wants to click on. We say only if you're a developer, click here or something like that. You know, we try to, we try to use that space as much as we can. It's very difficult because it's so short, but if you're selling, you know, an ebook on whatever, how, how to uh, build an internet marketing course or something along those lines, you don't want to just make it very generalized. You want to make an ad that says um, only serious internet marketers. Sure. Well, we've talked specifically about AppSumo and the kind of style that you use. And the reason that I wanted to do that is so that anyone that's listening to this can go away and, and have a look at it and actually get a feel for the kind of style of copywriting that we're talking about. But we don't want people to copy this exact style. We want people to learn from it, but to apply it to their own business, you know, for their business to have its own voice and its own personality. So do you have any tips for injecting personality into copy? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to say, well, this is a straight plug for a product. I go over all this in my copywriting course, but let's talk about it right now. Um, the, the main thing is to... Pretend that you're talking to one of your close friends. Don't pretend you're talking to a prospect or a customer. Pretend you're, you're trying to impress me. Like you're, you're just talking to me at a table and I'm like, Hey, what does your business do? And then you tell me, don't tell me like we are the number one destination for blah, 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 blah. And, and don't give me all this like fluff bullshit. Tell me what you do. Tell me the end benefit. And, um, my, my really big recommendation is record yourself talking like just like open up your little voice recorder on your computer or your iPhone or whatever and record yourself selling something to one of your close friends telling them about it and and that's the kind of copy you should use you don't have to use AppSumo stock because we're a little bit over the top in, in in our copy but we can get away with that because it's a personality speaking it's like this you know fake sumo like like Homer Simpson, Peter Griffin from Family Guy or something can get away with a lot of stuff because they're fake characters. Now, if you, if you're, uh, doing this for a more serious company, you totally can use this kind of copy and it works well. Let me tell you this. I've done a project for a bank and I can't tell you which bank, but, um, it, it, they were selling a financial product in the same typical way every financial institution does. Like, we are the number one and we love our customers and blah, blah, all this, you know, typical bullshit that no one believes anyway. And I wrote, I made this totally <laughs> like, like off the wall. Kind of, they couldn't even believe they were posting it up and it worked like crazy. I mean, this was in a, a financial institution. Okay. Like the most rigid thing you could possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. No one has ever, I don't think in the history of financial institutions, anyone's done anything like we did and it worked completely well. Like, I mean, totally well. Um, it, it related to customers a lot 
more effectively than just like this. Like if you go to like Bank of America's website or something and look at it, you know, you're going to find just a lot of fluff copy most likely. Uh, and, and, and you, you want to avoid that. Everyone writes fluff copy, like give them some real good shit. Like tell them, um, you came to our bank so you can buy a new house. Here's how you do it. Click here to find out. And then in that article, don't say buying a house is an important step in the decision of a life of a nuclear family. You should buy, I mean, tell them, look, you've probably been declined for a loan. I know, you know, and then next line, um, here's, here's how Mary got over, uh, her bad credit or whatever. And then start giving them good information. Like just start giving them good information. It should be like an article that people want to share. It's so good. So it doesn't, you don't have to, um, make it, uh, funny or casual necessarily. It's just packed with information. How about fonts? What kind of role do they play? And also going back to the copy course sales letter, uh, you had a black screen with white writing and it's a very different kind of font that you use on there. I've not really seen that font before. Was that intentional? Is that a trick that you use often? Uh, sort of, but it's more my personality than a trick to get high conversions. And so, um, I, I, if you go back to my blog, once again, you can go back to like 2006 and see that I've written entire posts in my own handwriting. Often what will happen is I will take a piece of paper and write a blog post if I don't have a computer around, and then I'll just take photographs and Photoshop it onto my blog, and that will be the blog post. Like, there's no text really on the page. It's just all images, but with text on them. And so uh, I've been using my tablet PC for years to write out blog posts like that, and all these people have been calling me a genius for, like, that's the best landing page I've ever seen. Honestly, I just didn't want to type. Like, I just felt like writing that shit out on my tablet PC and I did. I just posted that, and it worked really well. But um, as far as fonts go, a lot of people get into this like, oh, if I you know, make it this font, it'll convert better and all that stuff. And most people are not doing anywhere near the volume to where that's going to affect them at all. If you have a really damn good product and good offering, it almost doesn't matter what font it's in. What I will say, though, what I will say is I always try to use 12-point Arial for my text if I can, if I, if the formatting allows me to, I use 12 point Arial because it's big enough for everyone to read. Like if I, I mean, I'm, I'm only 29 years old, so I still have good vision, but if I see stuff that's really small, like I just don't read it. It's just too hard. Like I don't want to look at my computer that hard. I don't want to have to zoom in. It's just, it's just like, it needs to be big and easy to read it. That's it. Um, also don't use like all caps all the time. That's very difficult to read. Um, I, D- David Ogilvy, uh, said that, you know, a headline that starts off with a capital letter and then is just written like a normal sentence usually works better. You don't always have to make it in all caps. So um, there, there's little tips and tricks like that there. But uh, and then even in the copywriting course, I go over all these like little tricks like bolding certain words and everything. But for the overwhelmingly most part, I just use 12 point Arial for everything. I mean, it's 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 it, I, I'm sorry to disappoint you with a boring answer, but that, that is the sure. truth. Neville, do you recommend that we use humor? And what if we're not naturally funny? Should we give it a go and try it anyway, or should we just leave humor over to one side? I mean, if, if you're funny, I think I'm sort of a funny person sometimes. And so, like, if I have a funny joke that's involved there, I mean, I'll, I'll say it. And so, like, like, even in the copywriting course landing page, like, one of my, one, one of the silly, funny, like, but ch- sort of cheesy jokes is, like, it says, um, most copy sounds like it's written by English majors, and then in parentheses it says, who can surely command high-paying jobs in this economy. 
And over in, in my country, at least, it's kind of a joke that like if you're an English major, you're, you're probably going to be working at a fast food restaurant because it's a totally useless major. And so um, so that's like a little joke I used in the copy. But I don't try to make it overly funny. Like I try to make it educational first. And then if a joke arises, I use it. So 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 if uh, also I, I've read some brilliant financial stuff. Every once in a while, I see a really good financial firm selling stuff in, in, in this kind of copy. And um, they use humor very sparingly because they're they're not trying to scare you, but they're talking about, you know, the economy and how it's pretty shit right now and what to do about it. So in that tone, they want to keep you in a certain mood of kind of like, you know, uh, scared and intense. They're not going to break it up with humor necessarily. So depending on what you're selling, you can use humor. And I think in most things, you can use a little bit of humor. But use it sparingly. Um, let me tell you a, a quick story about we have all this copy we need to write. And we, we try to hire copywriters. And they, they look at our style and then they try to copy us. And in their the, the fault of most of them is like the first five paragraphs are all sumo jokes. It's like this, this morning, this sumo got on the scale and broke the scale at, uh, at 500 pounds. And then I went to go eat um, – my, my 10 bowls of rice. And then I went to go kiss my wife who weighs mm-hmm. 300 pounds. And it's like, I've read like four or five paragraphs of shit already. Right. And I don't know what the fuck they are talking about. So it can detract as well, can't it? It can be a bit pointless. It's totally pointless. Yeah. And so I would rather have, if you're selling a thing about grasshopper.com, I would say, um, this grasshopper.com is a phone system to make your small company look big. Here's exactly how you use it. Step one, when you sign up for Grasshopper, select the basic plan so you save the most amount of money. Step two, um, put this phone number on your business website, and immediately when customers start calling, it will have a whole phone system of making your company appear to be bigger. So already in like the first like three or four paragraphs, I've given you like a strategy on how to make your company look bigger. Like, that's what you want. You don't want to hear about sumo fucking jokes or something like that. No one cares. But later on, if I want to say, uh, here's how you make your company look big, and then in parentheses, like, but not as fat as the sumo, parentheses, close. Sure. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's a nice, short, little joke, and then I move on, you know? And so and so the point is, like, first I write an educational thing, and then if I, I might throw in a joke here or two. But 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 not too too much. Don't make it silly. Don't write it like a jackass. If it is relevant and it ties in some way, then cool. You know, you do it. But that other person was just reeling off jokes. They weren't getting to the point, and it doesn't sell anything at the end. Oh my god, we we've seen so many like yeah. daily deal sites try to copy AppSumo after we put out the copywriting course, and it, they give it to like an intern or something like that, and do like this. They do such a horrible mm-hmm. job, and like you don't know what the hell they are selling anymore, and and. We, I, I'm always tempted to go on Twitter and be like, hey, XYZ company, like uh, you're doing a really shitty job at that. Yeah. But I think like, why don't I just continue to let them do a shitty job and like get lower and lower sales? So is it fair to say, Neville, that uh, you do things on purpose to be different? I mean, for example, on your copy course page, the handwriting and the language is very different. The course in itself, you know, within the course, you're playing on your guitar and your bed and you're doing all these weird but memorable things that are very different from what people are used to seeing. In NLP, they call it a pattern interrupt. So do you purposely do that? I mean, another example is uh, copy course is spelt with Ks at the beginning. It just sticks in your mind. It's not what you're used to seeing. So do you do all this on purpose to be memorable? 
It, it's you know it's funny because um, I would be the last person you'd ever expect to be like a good teacher, but a lot of people love me as a teacher, and it's funny because like if you if a lot of my friends see the copywriting course, they wouldn't be surprised that I'm like filming from my bed or filming on a toilet. Sometimes they'd be like, "That's just Neville. Like that's he's always been like that." And and then now I'm learning more about these psychological things, like I learned about pattern interrupt and everything, and I realize I just naturally do that, and and the reason is. I get bored making these courses if I just stand in front of a, uh, my my webcam or a camera and talk. I mean, I've bought stuff online where it's literally just me looking at some guy's face for two hours. And you know how often I go back and rewatch those courses? Never, because it's boring. Like, I don't learn that much stuff. It, it kind of reminds me of, like, you go to class, and uh, and every day it's like the, the teacher talking in front of the chalkboard and blah, blah, blah. And there's only a certain amount you can learn. But then, like, in science class, they'll say, okay, now we're going to blow something up. Let's all go to the back of the school mm-hmm. and, and to this field and, and, and light a rocket or something like that. It's, it's just this, like, interruption. And things that are uh, new or novel or different usually get recognized. And so I want to make it interesting for my customers or, or whoever buys my stuff. I want to make it interesting for them to watch. I don't want to just sit there and bore them with some long-ass ebook or something. I want to make this interesting for them to watch. Not to mention, I want to make it interesting for me to film. Like if, if the video cracks me up, I know I've done a good job. And so almost by accident, I do this stuff. But more and more, I'm realizing that most other stuff is just boring. And my stuff is interesting because I'm breaking up Absolutely. the pattern, like the boring pattern. I mean, it's simple as that. So I kind of stumbled into that by accident. Just It was just kind of my personality. I've done it for years. Yeah, it certainly sticks in your mind. I'm not going to forget your course anytime soon. And like you said, there are all these kind of monotone courses out there that are just very dull and dry, and it's easy to lose interest quite quickly. Well, well here's, here's something here's something interesting that everyone should learn. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Steve Jobs. I'm a huge fan of Earl Nightingale. I'm a huge fan of Gary Halbert. And all of these guys always emphasize quality. And, and they didn't just emphasize it. Like, it showed in their work, you know? Like, when you see an iPhone that's unlike anything else you've ever seen in your life, you know a lot of work went into it and a lot of thought was put into it. Um, or if you ever read any of Earl Nightingale's books or uh, podcasts, uh, he's dead now. He's kind of the grandfather of the whole self-help industry. But his stuff was just so fucking packed with good material in such a dense manner. You, you just can't believe how much stuff there is. Whenever I listen to his podcast, I have to pause like every five seconds because there's so much good stuff and I want to write it down. And so – Whenever you emphasize quality on your courses instead of just marketing, they tend to do a lot better. And so the way I operate with all my courses and everything, and I hope other people listen to this so when I buy shit in the future, it's good. Uh, it's like focus on the product first. Like make a good product. Find out – do your market research and all that other crap. But first focus on your product and say, is this a product I would buy? Are people really going to be able to do what I say by the end of this? Am I doing my absolute best? Make sure people learn really, really well from this course and then try to sell it. Most people just try to market the hell out of a course and then they throw together some crap or have an intern or something do it. And it's usually like some shitty little PDF ebook. Yeah. And honestly, I don't think those teach very well. Uh, my courses teach much better and we've seen that in the results. Just before we finish up, Neville, do you have any tips for creating a good email subject line? Because as you said earlier, you're getting nearly 300% open rates and that's just absolutely unheard of so do you have any tips for us on that so if for email subject lines um 
the, the good part is I've kind of established myself to where like really whatever email subject line I, I send out, like it does like reasonably well now because people just trust our, our emails from, or at least mine. And, um, so one of the ways that I heard done is the, like heard it on the street method. And what that is, is if you're just walking down the street, just walking down the sidewalk and then all of a sudden you hear someone say something and you have to like stop and turn your head and go like, like what the hell is that? And, um, and, and beware with this one, but, but here's the, here's the method. And so you'll say something like, uh, if you heard someone on the sidewalk saying, uh, I dropped $700 within 10 feet of right here. Like you'd probably stop and be like, what, wait, what, what? Or if you heard someone say like, um, my dog shot out a crayon or, or something like something, something like ridiculous. Just make a list of stuff you've heard people say and then combine it with your product. So if I'm trying to sell a copywriting course, um, I would, I would combine, um, I dropped $700 10 feet away from here that I made from my copywriting course. Or um, uh, my dog shot out a crayon mixed with copywriting course. You could say uh, something along the lines is, quote, unquote, my dog shot out a crayon, dot, dot, dot. That's a really good <laughs> uh, email opener for a copywriting course. So you can kind of mix those, mix those two together, and I just kind of like made those up on the, the spot. I think I may have used those in the copywriting course examples too. But um, – but you can mix those things together to make an interesting headline. Now, generally what I've found is, uh, and then David Ogilvy, yeah. one of the original madmen, you know, uh, of the advertising world has said, um, benefit driven headlines generally perform the best. So, um, if I'm writing an article about how to become a better writer, I would say something like how to write an email that doesn't suck or something along those lines. And, um, and like I said, if you go to copywritingcourse.com with two Ks and sign up for that autoresponder, the first few emails that I wrote are really, really good. I mean, I think there's like a total of 10 emails on that autoresponder. But the first three are just flat-out information. I don't promote anything. I don't give any links. It's just flat-out good information. And those open like crazy. And if you watch, notice the subject lines, notice the wording, all that kind of stuff. And it's just giving them flat-out good information. <laughs> Yeah, and by the way, um, one of my favorite subject lines on your copy course was, does your copy suck butt? And uh, when I was watching that, my wife was in the other room and I even heard her chuckle from the other room. So <laughs> we, we both laughed when you, when you came out with that one. <laughs> See, that, that's, that's making me, I don't usually say the word suck butt in real life, but it, it made me laugh at the time. And so I was like, yeah, this would probably work. <laughs> it, at least it sparks your interest. Like, and, and, and here's the thing. I'm not tricking you into opening the email. I'm not tricking you at all. I'm telling you, like, does your copy suck butt? And the email is about that. Um, it's just like a funny headline that, like, it makes people chuckle. It makes people laugh. And, and, and it intrigues people. And then it also delivers. That's the important part. Um, I see I see a lot of um, email emails that because I'm on so many lists. I sign up just to see how horrible people are. Um, that, that they'll say some really uh, catchy uh, headline to get you to open it, but then the content inside sucks. And it's like over time, you just lose. Your, uh, I could see a really good uh, headline from after a while. I'm like, I'm not going to open that email because I know the thing is going to suck. Also, do all the other normal rules of copywriting still apply? You know, the things like market research and headlines and, you know, copywriting formulas such as ADA, calls to actions, you know, just all the sort of, 
usual rules that we're used to hearing, but you just add in this extra style and humour and personality into the copy. Or when you're writing the way that you do, do those other traditional rules go out the window? Yeah, when you say other rules of copywriting, I don't know what people are saying, but when you say those those three things you said are very important. Market research, ADA formula, uh, actions, action, taking action. I mean, those are all very important things. In fact, um, the ADA formula in the co- – remember how I present – I don't know if you remember this, but in the copywriting course, I presented the ADA formula in a very interesting way. Um, I, I told it like it was a secret, and I literally attest that little formula to kind of changing my life. And it, it sounds totally cheesy, but but hear me out. It's like once I learned that formula, I started applying it to anything I was trying to get, um, like literally anything, whether it was a sale or a friendship or something like that. And the ADA formula is, is beautiful because you get them to, to notice you, so you grab their attention. You get them to take interest in you, so you get their interest. Uh, you make them want to desire to talk to you or buy from you or whatever it is. That's the desire section. And then you give them a way to take action on it. And when I, I remember when I first learned about that, I swear to God, man, I was up till six in the morning every single day <laughs> thinking about all the mistakes I'd made in my life because I wasn't using the ADA formula. It's, it seems so stupid, but it is so crazy. So I used to like power wash homes and stuff when I was in high school and college, um, for extra money. You know, you'd come back with a couple hundred bucks in your pocket. It was a great way to make extra money. And I remember thinking like, man, I used to go up to people's houses and just be like, uh, do you want me to power wash your fence? Like your fence is dirty. I, like that, that's all I would say. Whereas if I had the ADA formula, I would be like, Oh, Hey ma'am, uh, come out here for a second. Look at your fence. Like it's like almost rotting in about a year. Your fence is going to rot. You're going to have to spend like $700 to get it fixed. Um, but you know, if you power wash that, it only costs like a fraction of the cost and it actually extends the life of your fence by at least seven years. And, um, and nor, but normally, a power washer costs like, you know, like something like a hundred bucks to rent, but we have one here and we're high school students. We know how to do this. We've been doing it for two years. Um, if you'd like, we could definitely power wash your home and we're kind of running. We haven't got any bites all day. So we're running a special for 50 bucks. We'll do your entire home and fence. Now, now which one's more likely to get like, you know, a bite, yeah. you know, and, and, and it's like, I went through everything I ever did that trying to sell that I kind of like, like sort of succeeded or failed at and thought like, man, if I had applied the ADA formula, this would have worked. And, and that's why I think like the ADA formula, things like that, those rules of copywriting are very good. Like if those have lasted the test of time and direct marketers talk about them all the time, Absolutely. there's probably something there, you know? And, and I would say highly learning that ADA formula. Absolutely. Well, well, Neville, thank you very much for this information and for the time that you've given us today. Where can we go to get more of your info? You mentioned that you had a blog. And also, where can we go to get Copy Course if we're interested? I'll, I'll promote I'll promote two of my things and then uh, uh, some uh, three okay. other things that are free. Well, you may have to pay for them, but they're not mine. Uh, but they're not expensive either. Um, the Copywriting Course, so copywritingcourse.com. If you want to see some amp- examples of good emails, just sign up to the autoresponder and... I'm not trying to sell you anything. Like most of these people on this call are probably copywriters already or know enough about it where they don't need the copywriting course necessarily, although it has helped a lot of people, including copywriters. But just look at the free emails, and they're really damn good. And you can see an example examples of my writing there. Um, AppSumo is another thing. You can check out AppSumo.com. My blog is nevblog.com. And now, and now here's the stuff that's not mine. Uh, one of the number one things I would have you read is um, the Gary Halbert Letters. And 
he has a bunch of free newsletters online, but I'm going to specify you to some certain things. He has thousands of free newsletters, but and people get overloaded and don't know what to read. So look up the Gary Halbert letters and the boron letters, mm-hmm. boron as in the, you know, the element boron and, and look up the boron letters, chapter one through 25. And I would, okay, these seriously changed my life and many others. So I would seriously say, print this shit out. Like I'm not lying when I say it. Don't just go and read them online and be like, oh, that's bad. Spend, you know, five mm-hmm. bucks and buy a ream of paper and an extra ink cartridge and print out the boron letters, chapter one through 25. The first three letters are more about life. He wrote these from prison to his son. But the next ones are probably the most condensed and best business education you will ever get in your entire life. That, like, bar none, within 25 chapters that are really fun to read. And and as you're reading his stuff, like, watch how he writes. Watch what he does. Watch how he gets you to turn the page. And that is the best, best business, uh, I mean, interview yeah. series that you'll you'll ever get. Like, just, and it's totally free. Yeah, I love listening to Gary Halbert because he pretty much talks in copy. He's that good. He actually speaks in copy. It's amazing. Oh yeah. my god, he, he's amazing. He's amazing. He's a big influence of mine. Oh, the, the guy has made yeah. uh-huh. uh, lots of money. Let's just say that. <laughs> uh, I, I've never known him, but I've known people who've known him and everything. He's a really fascinating character, but just really, really good at what he does. And then from the Boron letters, it will serendipitously lead you to some of his other stuff because he references his other stuff. And so I won't even go into all that. You'll just find out about it if you're actually interested in. Uh, the next one I'd say is uh, Joe Sugarman's uh, book called uh, Advertising Secrets of the Written Word. And I know this isn't an interview uh, uh, on video, but I have the, the book right here. And um, the book is amazing in terms that he has all these triggers. And so this is a really good thing for people who get writer's block. So if you ever sit down and you're like, hum, I'm trying to sell this, but how do I sell this? I, what I did in the beginning is I would get a deal for like, you know, grasshopper.com. Like, how do I write this? And I would go through Joe Sugarman's uh, triggers section and it would say, uh, one of the triggers is jealousy. One of the triggers is collector's items. Uh, one of the triggers is this and that and all these different things that inspire people to buy, like prestige or something like that. And I would say, oh, competitiveness. That's, that would be a great way to do this. So then I would write the piece of copy like, um, are you competing against a bunch of other small companies? Well, if you want to beat them out of the water, put a, up a 1-800 phone number. Most small companies don't have a phone number associated with them. And if you do, you'll get the business faster because you look more credible. And then I'll cite some study that shows that they're 30% more likely to buy from you if you have a 800 number or whatever. And then, and then not only does it just go to your cell phone, but it also, uh, sends them through an answering system that says press one for sales, press two for blah, blah, blah. And so, from just flipping through Joe Sugarman's book, I got that competitive aspect, and I was like, oh, I immediately know what I'm going to write. And it's a great way to get over his writer's block. I used to use it so much. I mean, now I kind of, like, got it down. But in the past, I used to use that all the time. It was it was incredible. Uh, and what about your blog? Is that something you update regularly? Yeah, nevblog.com. It, it's more of a personal blog. I, I write. Uh, I don't write about my views on politics and shit like that. It has a lot of cool things. Like I did a homeless experiment uh, about two years ago where I went homeless on the street. Um, it, there, there's a lot of fascinating stuff. I got some bums to sell bottled water for me. Um, I fully document. Oh, um, I'm not trying. I'm not even trying to uh, promote my email list or anything. But if you go to my blog, nevblog.com, N-E-V-blog.com, on the top right, there's a thing that says sign up for the email list. 
And there's a link on it that says the first email you get will be the quick sell experiment. And it's password protected, and the password is monkey whale. One word, and it's case sensitive. So monkey with a capital M and whale with a capital W. And that's the password to go there. And you, you can sign up to the email list if you want, but not necessarily. I just gave away the, the password. And if you look at that quick sell experiment, that's the moment when I realized copywriting works. And remember I told you about my business, House of Rave, and I made 120 orders really fast. Um, it actually shows the, the emails I was sending out before, these nice, beautiful, illustrated emails that didn't convert for shit versus a page and a half of text with one link on it that made me like a, many thousands of dollars in a day. Great. Neville, just a quick question, actually. You said that there was a big transformation for you that inspired you to change from writing those old boring emails, and then you tried out this new method. What was that turning point? I mean, it was it was literally my friend Ryan telling me, like, he's like, look, man, like, I send out these emails, these convert a lot better, and he explained all the psychological reasons. But, I mean, like most people, I think it's you're kind of hard-headed until you see it for yourself. And so I really thought that email was going to flop on House of Rave. But whenever it started converting so like that one email brought in more sales than all my other past emails combined. And I was like, okay, this is the turning point. And then another turning point was, um, I, I mean, of course I, I replicated that and did really well with those two on house of rape. But another turning point was, um, Noah Kagan who owns AppSumo, he, he's the biggest owner of AppSumo. Um, he was also like employee number 30 at Facebook and stuff like that. He used to build AppSumo kind of off my couch. He would come to my apartment and work with me here in Austin, and he would build AppSumo when it was like 50,000 people, and it was just him doing it. Like He was finding the deals and putting them up and answering customer service. It was all him, okay? And he would send out these emails to 50,000 people that were really shitty. It would just be like, here's a grasshopper.com email. Here's a, here's a Kernest uh, deal for you, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, dude, these emails suck, man. Let, let, let me rewrite one of these, and let's see what happens. So he gave me this deal. Um, called Kernest, and it was for hardcore font designers and graphics designers. And basically every month, this guy sends you four different fonts that are paired with each other. Now, this is a service me, you, and most people on the earth would never even consider paying $120 for. But for really hardcore designers, this is a brilliant product. And so I was like, let me write this, and let's see what happens. And he expected this deal to maybe sell like five or ten copies, Wow. It sold more than any other AppSumo deal ever. And um, and it's because I wrote this like three-page beautiful thing about why Steve Jobs is so impressed with typography, um, how you can make money as a designer using the service, blah, 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 how you can impress your clients with it, all that kind of shit, save time. And I showed exactly how you can do that. Like, like Noah couldn't believe it. I almost couldn't believe how well it worked. I mean, yeah. I knew it was going to work better. Like, I was very confident mm -hmm. in that. But I didn't know how much better. And then from that point on, I was, I almost like looked at my finger and I was like, Oh my God, I have magic. That's what it was like. And I also mm -hmm. realized it was a skill that I can go anywhere in the world mm -hmm. and like, uh, that speaks English at least. And, and, um, and make money that like, that was, that was pretty interesting when I knew I had that talent or, or skill that I could probably, uh, I'll, I'll probably be fine if I ever get fired yeah, I think it was Frank Kern that said something similar, that if you can write copy, you'll never be broke again. You'll have money on tap because it's such an in-demand skill. Yeah, copy copy and marketing, and, and they're both very intertwined. But it, it started out with copy for me, and then I got more into the marketing side of it. 
I mean, it, it was it was a pretty uh, big revelation. And from that point on, I've been making a lot more money. I think we'd all like to do that. So, Neville, once again, thank you very much. This is going to help everyone listening. Um, I'm sure that everyone's love what they've heard. I personally highly recommend Copy Course. Check it out. It's very different, but it's awesome. Also, it's way cheaper. I've had people who, who bought $4,000 copywriting courses, and they're like, your course was less than 100 bucks, and it's taught me so much more. And, and here's the other thing. Um, one of the things that people are shocked by with my products is that they're short. The, the videos total maybe two, two and a half hours at most. And honestly, I think my attention span is about that long. I, I can't pay attention yeah. much longer than that. And I think most people are the same. So uh, a lot of courses will say, uh, we're going to give you 19 DVDs. And I'm just like, wow, I, I do not need 19 DVDs to explain copywriting. Like this is way easier than most people think. And I'm going to show them in a very short amount of time. And, and like you said, it's one of, the, I think it's probably the best copywriting <laughs> yeah. course out there. I'm biased, of course, but a lot of people have said that. And it's short and it's cheap. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's concise. That's the difference. You can buy a long course that you'll never get through, or you can buy this one and it's two, two and a half hours long. And after you've invested that small amount of time, you'll be much better at copywriting than you were before. Yeah, my, my thing was that like an employee or someone who's about to send out like someone's, they work for a company and they're like, uh, the company's like, we'll send out this newsletter. And the person's like, I don't know how to write anything. And they watch the copywriting course. And by the end of the day, Correct. they have something written that converts mm-hmm. higher than anything they've done before. Like that was kind of the goal. And, and, and that has yeah. been the goal. So, uh, or sorry, that has been the results. Like people have been writing stuff and it's like, holy crap. Like I didn't even, I didn't Amazing. think that would work. And with that, we'll end the show. Thank you everyone for listening. If you found it helpful, please support the show by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. And finally, Neville, thank you very much for coming on the show. The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money.